Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Do you dream of being CEO of your own empire, running your own company, achieving your life's goals, yet wake up in a cold sweat next to last night's takeout leftovers and a pile of bus ticket stubs? You are not alone. Like many others, you are suffering from a classic case of caviar dreams, tuna fish budget. I'm Margaret Josephs. And I'm Lexi Barbuto. And every week, we'll be talking to influencers, trailblazers, disruptors, and risk takers who'll share their own journey to caviar dreams on a tuna fish budget. Side effects may include increased motivation, boundless happiness, and a fast track to success. Hello, caviar dreamers. Hello, caviar dreamers. (laughs) We are here for another week. Another week of fabulous entrepreneurship with Kara Golden of Hint Water. And again, someone that saw a need in the market to solve one of her own problems that she was yes. getting incredibly unhealthy from diet sodas. Yeah, diet soda makes you fat, people. Yeah, it's and keeps you unhealthy. Very bad. And as we saw from other people that oh, have come on the podcast, Bella said it makes you unhealthy also. Bella's very against diet soda. She does not drink diet soda. Not at all. She keeps her spelt figure of six pounds by not drinking diet soda. And she, she really drinks only water. She only drinks water. But she might like it flavored with apple. Yeah, I should get her the hint in water. But anyway, Kara Golden, in all seriousness, and she just came out with an amazing book called Undaunted, which is about the doubt and doubters. It is. And she is a female CEO, which is a rarity. Yes, and her company is still privately owned. So she has a lot of great advice. Yeah, great advice. So inspirational. I am so excited to have her on. Kara, hi. Hi. We are so excited. We are here with Hint Water founder, Kara Golden. How exciting. We are very lucky to have you on the podcast. Thank you so much for coming on today. Yeah, totally. I'm very, very excited. And so excited because her book is just launching, Undaunted. You just wrote a book too. I just wrote a book. It's right here. It's coming out actually uh, this week. So very, very excited. It is so exciting. So, I mean, I love having on inspiring women and women who have been like knocked down and told they couldn't do it and someone who achieves. I mean, I feel like that's half the reason I do things because people tell me I can't do it. So Mm -hmm. I just want to just start with about how you started Him Water because I've seen you were 45 pounds heavier. You said that you drank a lot of diet soda. So just start there and tell everybody how you came up with the idea. Yeah. So it was a little over 15 years ago now. Oh, wow. I, I know, which I can't believe, but, uh, but yeah. And I, I never thought that there was anything wrong with my diet soda that I was drinking. 
every day. And, and finally, I just got to a point where I just, like my energy levels were low, my skin, I had developed terrible adult acne that I was just really trying to figure out. And then, um, and then I had this weight that was just like continuing with every pregnancy that I had, I, I gained weight. And that's when I finally just decided I was in between jobs and um, I really looked at like everything that I was eating, but never really paid attention to what I was drinking. And that's when one day, you know, the can of, of Diet Coke in particular was, um, was just staring me in the face. And that's when I really looked at all these ingredients and I thought, gosh, like I care more about what I'm putting in my car than I do what I'm putting into my own body. And that's when I just decided I'm going to try and just quit and then just start drinking plain water. But I really, um, you know, after making the shift, I realized that water was just so boring to me that it was just, you know, I aspired to be a water drinker, but I just wasn't really doing it. And that's when I started slicing up fruit and throwing it in water. And, you know, as you mentioned, um, I had extra pounds on me. And after two and a half weeks, I lost over 20 pounds. Wow. Um, by giving up the diet soda. Who would think and, that diet soda would even hold weight on you? I mean, so that's such, people don't realize that. I know. Yeah. And, and that's the thing that, you know, again, this was 15 years ago. I would, you know, share with friends because even 20 pounds, it's a lot of weight. Like that is, people don't fast. realize that's it. I just lost 10 pounds and I feel so much better. Yeah. Yeah. And it was just, I mean, it was crazy. People would say to me, like, what are you doing? Like, you know, it, it, and initially, like, you you look pretty sick because when it comes off that fast, you're, you know, you're just like, people are like, gosh, like, are you okay? And I said, I'm fine. I feel great. But I'm just, you know, my body was just adjusting at this point. And I really didn't believe that it was the diet soda either. I, you know, it's a longer story and one that I talk about in the book, but, you know, I really had believed at that point that it, you know, maybe I was really sick and maybe that's what was going on. And then, you know, once my body adjusted and after six months, I lost um, over 50 pounds in, you know, six months. And that's when I really started looking at these diet sweeteners and, and how, you know, so, I mean, so much has come out in the last few years around them, including the fact that, you know, they often cause you to overeat. Um, you know, I wouldn't even say that I was going that far, but it, but it was just the sweetness um, that I was really craving all the time was really, you know, kind of stemming from this diet soda addiction. And, and I think, unfortunately, um, you know, there's just, it, it's, it's sad. I mean, you look at diseases like type two diabetes today, which was tiny. It was like 2% of the population had type two diabetes 15 years ago today. It's like 45%. Wow. I didn't diabetes. That. And so many people who, you know, have this chronic illness are, you know, so quietly like almost embarrassed that they've gotten it is they, you know, <clears throat> go to the gym, they run, they eat, you know, they eat and shop healthy, whatever. And, you know, I think like the, the key thing is that their body isn't sure how to metabolize a lot of these diet sweeteners. And so I really become a, an advocate. And part of what I talk about in the book too, is, you know, what a lot of people know, but still a lot of people don't know it's, it, it's that, you know, what you're putting into your body actually makes a huge difference in your health. Even if you're sort of a ticking time bomb as I was, um, I think it's, it's something that that everybody needs to pay attention to. 
Wow. That's, that's amazing. I didn't even realize that. That's so yeah. good. So tell, so tell me you started boiling fruit and putting your water cause you didn't like the way it tasted. So, I mean, that's like, so crazy, interesting, right? Yeah. That's yeah. just so crazy. Were you giving it to friends? Yeah. So I, I mean, I was giving it to myself and to my family initially. And then, you know, I'd walk out the door and I'd have like a pomegranate, a half a pomegranate in my water. And, and friends would be like, what, what do you have in your water? And I'm like, oh, it's just, you know, helps me drink more water. And, and that's when, you know, after a while, I mean, you have this beautiful, like colorful thing in your, in your water and friends would notice it. And then finally I went to my local, um, fancy store that had just opened in San Francisco, Whole Foods. And, you know, it was so beautiful and everything was wonderful in there. And I thought, this is the kind of place that should have a product like this. And I was shocked to see that, um, you know, everything that was calling themselves water was kind of healthy perception versus healthy reality. I mean, if you remember like 15 years ago, that's when vitamin water was, mm -hmm. you know, super big and, and just kind of everyone was discovering it. And I was shocked to see that vitamin water had more sugar in it than a can of Coke. Yet people like didn't even read the label because it was like vitamin and water. So it's health. And, and I really at that point started thinking, um, you know, that there's so many words that encourage people to equate it to health. Um, you know, and mine was diet that I was fooled by for so many years and how people, you know, just, they just don't even read labels because they think that they're healthy and better for you. And so, you know, I looked for this product on the shelf and it wasn't there. And, and then I just decided while I was trying to figure out what I was going to do next, then maybe I would just go and develop this product. But I call myself an accidental entrepreneur because yeah, I, I was going to ask you about that. Yeah. Cause I wasn't even sitting there as a kid or, you know, working in Silicon Valley at, you know, some tech companies, I wouldn't say like one day I'm going to go start a company. I mean, for me, it was like, it just bothered me that health was something that was just so hard for people. I mean, look at how much money people spend on, you know, diet sodas or vitamin waters or, you know, or diets, right? Yes. Like it, it's just, it's crazy. And I thought, people want to do it, right? They want to eat healthy and drink healthy, but yes. there's so many roadblocks that are preventing them from actually understanding how to do that. And it's just so hard that oftentimes people just quit, right? Too, they even do. It's so much easier. Like you go out, people drink a Diet Coke or they, they order something. It, it's so much easier. There's no even healthy options in restaurants yeah. to, to but, order a drink. But that's the thing, I mean, that I've, that I learned and part of what I talk about in this book too, is that I just never realized from a consumer perspective, how like the decks are so stacked against consumers into actually understanding like, you know, or, or actually getting access to healthy things. I mean, you know, there's over 2000 beverages in the beverage industry. I didn't know that when I started this company. Um, but like how many of those do you see in your local store? Like maybe 60, right? Mm -hmm. Like it's just, it's, it, it is incredibly um, hard to get on the shelf. And I mean, it's sort of a longer discussion, but in every category, these, you know, large companies basically, you know, they're called category captains and they own real estate in these stores. And so, you know, you sitting at home wanting to have 
you know, healthy products for you and your family, it's just really challenging because you just don't, you can't get access. I mean, forget about, um, you know, if you live in an area that might not even have the, the whole foods of the world, right? You like, it's just incredibly hard to actually, you know, get access. So it's another story of kind of the building of Hint today. We're the largest non-private non-alcoholic beverage in the country that doesn't have a relationship with Coke, Pepsi, or Dr. Pepper Snapple. And over 50% of our business, 55% of our business is direct to consumer, which is really what I grew up in. And so I think that, you know, access to healthier foods, um, while, you know, stores are great for people to go to, I think that, you know, what we've seen, especially during the pandemic, is that, you know, consumers are willing to go online and buy things online if if they're better for them and they know about them. No, I think mm -hmm. that's genius. So when you started Hint, how did you, it's so hard to break into the industry. So many people who listen to us, there's always just like, they come up with an idea and it's just, how did you even know, were you, did you immediately go direct to consumer? Were you just like, I want to, did you want to start selling Whole Foods? Like, what was it, the transition? I just want to know that part yeah. before we talk about Undaunted, because I'm dying to get into that as well. So, so I was, you know, I was making it in my kitchen and boiling the fruit down, as you know, you mentioned earlier. And Whole Foods just kind of seemed like this obvious place. I don't, I don't know. Like I didn't pick it for any. There was no huge strategy behind it. It was mm -hmm. like, oh, this seemed like it was like a place where they might carry my product. And we got, I got it in. Actually, uh, um, you know, somewhat of a funny story to many. I was pregnant with my fourth child when I had decided that I was like writing the business plan and I was going to go and get it on the shelf at Whole Foods. And then there's always delays in production. And so the uh, product didn't actually show up at my doorstep, um, which, you know, I, we were actually making it in a plant in order to, um, to, uh, have enough product to put it on the shelf at Whole Foods. And so it showed up the day before I was having a planned C-section. And so I um, decided the morning of my planned C-section that I was, um, you know, my husband said, what do you want to do? Do you want to go to brunch? Do you want to go on a walk? And I said, no, I want to go to Whole Foods and see if I can get it on the shelf at Whole Foods. And, and uh, so when I went to Whole Foods that day to see if they would take it, um, the, the gentleman who was stocking the shelves, uh, who was making decisions, um, I had met him once before and he said, wow, you're super pregnant. And I was like, I, I know. And he said, when are you delivering? And I said, this afternoon at two o'clock, <laughs> 10 o'clock. And my poor husband was like backing up into the fruits and vegetable aisle thinking, oh my God, she's really going there right now. And going to explain that it's uh, exactly what a planned C-section was. And so sure enough, for the next 15 minutes, I educated this nice guy uh, on, you know, what a planned C-section was versus a vaginal delivery. And he thanked oh, me God. at yes. the end. And, you know, and my husband comes back and he was like, okay, are we done? Like, this is, I cannot even believe you've had this conversation. And, and uh, yeah, so that that's what happened. We got it on the shelf that day. I think he, you know, felt a little sorry for me and was happy also that I took the time to educate him on childbirth. And then uh, I went and had my son, Justin. And then the next day he called to say that it was, uh, that the product was gone. And I, I didn't even still think that anybody would buy the product. I thought somebody maybe stole the product that we had left. <laughs> yeah. from it. 
and he, uh, yeah, and he, we went through 10 cases, you know, that day. And, and so, you know, the story, the undaunted, um, overcoming doubts and doubters is not only about the doubts, but also about the, you know, just the journey of everything from, you know, building a company, um, that, is now what it is today, but also, you know, all of the challenges yes. and all of the risks. And I, I want to yeah. know more about that. Undaunted. I mean, it's very inspirational because I think a lot of people don't realize what it is to own your own company and how you do live it 24 hours a day and how there are so many naysayers and people who, who beat you down. I mean, I feel that way. And also yeah. we beat ourselves up. And we beat up. ourselves up. Yes. Yes. We're our own worst enemy. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, first of all, you know, I clearly had doubts and there were, you know, plenty of doubters. I think whenever I always say to entrepreneurs today that the key thing that I learned is that if you don't believe in yourself, then no one else will. And, you know, family members, friends, like they'll, they'll jump on your bandwagon in like two minutes, right? Because they love you, right? And so they're like, yeah, you shouldn't do it. Like, that's not the right thing to be doing or whatever. So there was, there's definitely the story about that. But in addition, I, I just felt like over the last you know few years, I've been out speaking about building Hint and I would run into people who, or they would write to me and they would share how, you know, obviously I would, had way more confidence or I never had any fears or it never had any failures. And I thought, you know, who are you talking to? I mean, this is, I certainly you know, have fears. I certainly have had failures. I've had many doubts and many doubters. And the difference between, you know, me and them and is really that I tried. And I'm okay with actually failing, right? And and I think that that's the story, you know, with you guys and with successful people, yes, right? Yes. You just go try and you're not really sure how it's ultimately going to work out. But you're, you know, I feel like, the more stories you have that you can look at in your rear view mirror, the stronger you become, right? And the more you can sort of help people to recognize that they just do have to go and try and, and see what ultimately, you know, comes of it. And so I felt like about, I was doing a ton of traveling just in building the company. And so I started journaling um, for the last four years and I had no idea how to write a book. I had, um, you know, I didn't have an agent even at the time. I just thought it was, you know, let me just start writing. And that's when I, I really, you know, realized that there's just a lot of information in here that could potentially inspire people um, to just go out and do it. I also feel like, you know, especially with female entrepreneurs, um, that there's this, you know, idea of unicorns and failures. And there's nothing in between, right? Like, it, and yes. I've viewed the world as, um, you know, it's people are so much more interesting when you know more about their journey, right? And how yes, they got I there agree. and what they've been through. And so, it's, you know, that is, that was my main purpose in writing this book is hoping that maybe people would come across it and they would be inspired and say, God, if she can do it, I can do this too. And I agree. Like, I, I think more and more people should go try and more and more people should stop putting up walls in front of themselves and saying, I can't do it. I can't, 
you know, raise money because I'm a woman or, you know, I can't do it because I have, you know, too many kids or, you know. I mean, look, look at you with, do you have four children? Mm -hmm. I mean, that's, I mean, four children's a lot of kids. It's a lot of kids. Yeah. And they're older and they're older now, but you know. Yeah, but they weren't then. You were giving birth. (laughs) I mean, they weren't. Yes. And, but I mean, I have two girls and two boys and it's, you know, something else I talk about in the book too, that, you know, my son who's 18 now, I mean, he's like been here the whole time watching this journey and he must be so proud of you he is but also like i think he's he's also in a time when there aren't very many female ceos he asked me back in 2012 when he saw sheryl sandberg talking about you know the fact that there aren't many female ceos and he looked at me at the dinner table and he said mom like there's not very many female ceos but you've always been a ceo like, why is that, that there aren't more CEOs? And, you know, I thought, where are we going with this conversation? And, and I said, I don't know. And he said, well, I, I just don't get it because women actually do a great job. Like, I just don't, I really don't understand. And so I, I also feel like, you know, as, as women, you know, we can also show our kids and, and change their mind about what is supposedly, you know, not okay or not normal in the world and um and really being a role model for them it's so interesting because i feel yes. like so many a lot of women that we've had on the podcast also i've had same as you after their children it gives you like such a like a second wind almost like i can do this like i am unstoppable and that's why it always baffles me that you know women want you know feel like that they can't be a mom and be a ceo and be pregnant. We had um, the founder of Proven Skincare, Mink, and her and her co-founder had to hide the fact that they were they pregnant, were pregnant when to they get made funding a to get funding to venture capitalists, and that that really which was upset really me. it was very unfortunate that they had to do that. Yeah, was, it, and was that, it hard for you to get funding for Hint when you first started? So it's another thing that that I you know think about a lot that I, and somewhat. Um, you know, laugh again in the rear view mirror looking at it, but I never was going to allow myself to not be able to succeed um, by believing that I wasn't going to be able to get funded. I've never been a man, so I have no idea if it would have been easier um, to get funded. Um, I, you know, full disclosure, I hate raising money at every point along the way. I get I get it. I hate asking for money. I hate going for money. I get the I hate it. And 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 I feel and, beholden. I don't like being beholden mm-hmm. to someone else. Totally. Like and and so, but I think that there's a lot of other options today. If you you know just go out and try. I also believe that you know this idea, like people decide that they're not going to go and start a company because it's too hard to raise money. I'm like, you haven't even gotten out of the gate yet, and you don't believe you're going to like be able to do it. You won't. You won't be able to build a company, you won't be able to raise money. Like you have to believe that you're going to go do it. And I think that, you know, in today's day and age, if you just start small and make little pieces of progress along the way, I mean, somebody was asking me earlier today, like how does a, you know, food or beverage company go and start today? Like what, you know, what would you do if you didn't have any money to go and like start a company? And I'm like, look, you can start small online. 15 years ago, while there was, you know, a few categories that were doing, you know, business online, 
beverage just wasn't one of them. And so it, it, I think in today's day and age, there's a lot more options and you can figure out whether or not you can get traction and showing that you've actually got traction, that the consumer wants your product is something that any investor would be interested in. Yeah. And I think that's an easier way to raise money, especially that's easier now. I mean, 15 years ago, you didn't have that option. I'm sorry. You, you are still privately owned. You still own your company. Yeah. I mean, we have investors though. Yes, and, of course. Yes. Company. Yeah. Yeah. We have investors in the company, but we, um, yeah, we still, you know, we, the first, uh, few years, actually, we, um, we were able to, you know, put money, our own money into the company, which I think just allows you to be able to grow the company kind of the way you want it grown too. And then also, um, you know, get a higher valuation because you've actually got some traction and, and we had a lot of individual investors. We don't have any venture capital or private equity in the company. We have over a hundred, um, investors. Actually, I'm proud to say like 60% um, percent of those investors are women. Um, oh, too. I love that. Yeah. Who have invested a lot of Silicon Valley investors as well, but um, also, you know, John Legend invested like 10 years ago. He picked up a bottle at Starbucks and called me on the 1-800 number line. And Oh my and, God, uh, did you almost, that's such a great story. Well, I, didn't, like, I didn't know who he was. And I, I said, I'm sure you're very famous. And Okay, uh, that is really nice funny. Guy, but I, I just am a little clueless and I, I don't really know. And he started laughing and he's awesome. And, and he sing for you right away? Or no. <laughs> no, he didn't. But remember, 10 years ago, I mean, he was, you know, not sort of who he is today. Yeah, no, no. 10 years ago, I mean, that is so funny. I mean, this is before Chrissy, like, you know. No, I know. I feel yeah. like his first, because I was still married to my ex-husband 10 years ago, and I remember having his CD. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, his CD <laughs> 10 years ago. I know, that, right? That it's is like, so great. So I awesome. I love that. That but is, again, having people who invest in your brand that, you know, people have asked me for years, how do you get John to put a bottle of Hint on, you know, the piano bench? He always has it on the piano bench. And I'm like, he just does. Like, I mean, I don't, it's not in his, it, no, it's you don't have to ask him. It's, yeah, it. he likes yeah, it. He, likes he, it. he likes drinks it. it. It's his. And, it's and he's, it's authentic. He's, he's invested in it because he loves the product. That's totally. why he does it. Yeah. And, and so we've never had, you know, I don't know, influencers or we've had like these people have always come to us and wanting to like invest in the brand because they want it to be successful, you know, and, and they, you know, we send them a case of hint a month. I'm, they buy a lot more than that, but it's just, it's really, you know, again, we didn't know what the rules were or what we should do. We just sort of, you know, want people who are invested in the brand to, you know, really like, be able to speak to it more than anything and why they do it. And it's just very natural for them to be able to do that. I'm obsessed with these pair glasses. Pair, P-A-I-R, like a pair of glasses. Yes, pair eyewear. These are incredible. It's a first direct to consumer customizable glasses for kids. And also Marge and Lexi were wearing ours now. Yes. I mean, I'm literally obsessed with these because you know why? You can change them out. You don't have to take off the glasses and something just clicks like onto the front. It's actually crazy. I have a little glitter pair on. You can't see me, but you can hear them clicking right on. So they come in blue light, they come in prescription and they come in sunglasses. This is like the best idea I've ever seen in my entire life. It's great. And again, like so many people we've had on the podcast, this came out of 
parents realizing that there was a need for something in the market. They asked tons of families, over 500 families, you know, what, what they could do to reimagine children's eyewear. And children couldn't understand why they could change their glasses every day, uh, their clothes every day, but they couldn't change their glasses. So pair was born. You take one pair of glasses and then it comes with extra little pairs that click right over the top. The little magnets. Yeah, and you could change your look at all times. They even have glasses that for Marvel, like yeah. the licenses for Marvel. It's so great. So you could have superhero glasses. Yeah. If you're into the NBA, I mean, how they great have is that? NBA glasses. They had tie dye glasses. Tie dye. I mean, my favorite's still the glitter. I'm sorry. Who doesn't love glitter glasses? Glitter. I love. The and you know what? They're reasonable. Children's prescription glasses are normally three hundred dollars. Yeah, These are sixty. $60 and with $60, you literally get three pair. You do. And it's really fun to choose your pair. Three, three pair. And, and then I mean, three different styles. I mean, how crazy is that? So you have three different looks for 60 bucks. It's and amazing. For our listeners, you even get a bigger discount. Yeah. Get your first pair for just $48 when you use code caviar on pairiwear.com. That's P A I R iwear.com code caviar. So would you ever sell, would you ever sell to a big company? Are you, it's just your baby and you feel like I could not give it up to somebody big. You know, my mission has always been to really help people get healthy. I mean, I saw what had happened to myself and my family. And, and when I really realized early on that, you know, this was like not something that, um, you know, a large soda company was really interested in doing was really getting me healthy. That's when I decided I need to go build this. I, I, I can't say that I would never sell. I think that for us, we've just been really on a different mission than so many of these other soda companies out there. And, you know, today we're in 30,000 locations nationwide. We've built so frankly, good. what no one has been able to do. I mean, there's been many companies that have been acquired um, you know, by the large soda companies, including vitamin water and honest tea and um, so many others. And, you know, they've all reached out to me over the years and said, you know, we could never figure out how to get our company past a certain point and you're past that. And you guys have done it. And a lot of the ways that we've done it have just been because of time and, and, you know, history, like, you know, direct to consumer was not there. Um, you know, years ago. And so I think like that's, that's been, you know, worked in our benefit. And that's where I came from. Prior to this, I ran AOL's e-commerce and shopping partnerships for seven years and, you know, and really saw it from the beginning and built it into a billion dollar business for AOL. So I, I had that background, but honestly, when I started, you know, Hint, I never thought, okay, I'm going to turn this into you know, something that we sell online and we do big business online. And that, that was never it. I mean, I really stumbled upon that really by accident when we started working with Amazon um, a few years back after, you know, I won't give away the whole book, but after a yeah. huge failure um, at Starbucks, the, when they kicked us out of Starbucks and- um, They kicked you out of Starbucks? Yeah, so we went into- uh, we went to 11,000 locations in Starbucks, which was massive. I mean, a, a definite high point in the, in the um, calendar. And then, uh, and then after a year and a half, we were doing super well. And, you know, they had told us like certain goals that we had to meet. We were 
um, triple um, that number. Um, and so when they reached out to us to share with us that they were going to start putting food in the case, which was like a higher, you know, ring amount and higher margin businesses. Um, it was a really bad news for me, right? Oh, that's terrible. For my company. But another thing that I share with people is that was 40% of our overall business that, you know, we had like thought we were doing really well and everything's going great. And then the next day it wasn't. And I had six months worth of inventory that I was responsible for. And I had investors that I was, you know, responsible for making sure that we weren't spending their money and, you know, in the wrong way. And here, like, it just goes away. And I'm like, wait, you can't do that. And actually they could. Right. And there was like nothing holding them for, from not doing that. And so um, it was right for their business. It wasn't right for my business. And and after a couple of weeks, I was trying to figure out exactly what to do with this product that was going to go bad in our warehouse. And then Amazon reached out to us and said that they had been buying our product in um, in Starbucks and they loved it and they wanted to work with us and they were really going to start um, really putting the gas on this grocery business that they had and they wanted to know how quickly we could get them product. And I said, well, oh, that's there's amazing. product in the warehouse. So we became one of the number one products um, on Amazon grocery and then Amazon prime. And um, we were, you know, it was a, it was a subscription business basically waiting to happen. I mean, we were already really big and like the Googles and the Facebooks and had really grown in a lot of these tech firms that were, you know, a lot of these people weren't grocery shopping. They were like going on and buying their favorite products on Amazon. Um, but, but beverages just really weren't being sold at that time. So anyway, it's interesting because I look back on that and I tell the story in, in, um, in the book that, Basically, I don't know that Amazon would have reached out to us if we weren't in Starbucks. And, it's you know, here, right? Like where it's, true. You know, it's, it's true. a story when, you know, challenges happen um, along the way. You have to kind of look back and, you know, I definitely, you know, think about the idea that 40% of my business could go away tomorrow. I mean, that was really stupid, right? To put that much you know, but it, it made it made sense at the time. You it know, did. It, it made but, sense at the time, but it was just at the time you couldn't diversify, and you know, it got you other avenues. Yeah, but I I do think it's a lesson for entrepreneurs not allowing you know one channel of business to get so big that I know it, the feeling it's yes. happening. Right, right, and the risk right is is huge, and especially when somebody controls you know, your whole life and your destiny, the lever, yes, right. The levers, it's just, it's not a good feeling. And so to, today that's just not something that we do because we learned through that experience. We lived through that experience, but in addition, the relationship with Amazon, um, we're still in Amazon and they're awesome. But you know, what I realized after dealing with Amazon was that it's, you know, they're no different than a Whole Foods or a Kroger or Publix or, you know, any of our other retailers that we deal with, it's their data. Like they buy my product and they put it in the stores. I don't know that you are my customer. And so I couldn't actually have that relationship with the consumer. And so that's when it gave me the idea that I should actually start our own direct to consumer business on drinkhint.com. And, you know, as I said, like that business is 55% of our overall business now. We have a relationship with the consumer. And so, you know, I, I also share that at the beginning of the pandemic in mid-March, when 
stores were having huge challenges of keeping our product mm -hmm. on the shelf, I went back to our list of consumers, over a million consumers that have purchased from us, and I sent an email saying, you know, hey, like, how are you? And um, if you're having a problem finding our product on the shelves, we're working on it and we're trying to get it on the shelf as fast as possible. But you can also go into our website and buy on drinkhint.com. And we had like a 60% response rate to that. I mean, it was that's crazy. An, that's and, an amazing response rate. Right. And so, and, and so again, like what's fascinating is as that business has grown, our retailers have also grown because there's more people now that are, you know, going back into stores now and they're looking for the product and they're like, why don't you have hint? And so it's become, you know, they work hand in hand off of one another. And so I go back to that story and, you know, that failure with Starbucks and, you know, it's just another data point for consumers to recognize like don't be so hard on yourself like instead just learn from your journey and recognize that you're going to have challenging times and you're going to make wrong decisions and hopefully it won't take your business um and but instead learn from those things and just do better going forward <laughs> i fully right I I know. No, no, no. Exactly. It's like we had a huge Walmart business at one point with tech accessories. Yeah. We were the first females in tech accessories and, and they just decided they're going to, you know, change it and do it themselves. And, and that was it. You know, a big yeah. income went down yeah. and you have to be able to pivot. And that's what's so, you know, so important. You knew you pivoted. And I think that's teaching people that, but it's true. It's like putting all your eggs in one basket is such a majority of that like we have to diversify and that's what I you're going to learn. You'll learn from that. Learn. Right. But and I would rather people learn from our mistakes at this point. I, I hate seeing it happen to anybody. Yeah, no, exactly. And that's what I mean. Like, I think the more we can share about, you know, stuff that we've done that was just like stupid or whatever, I mean, yes. or, you know, that you're like, oh, I should have known, or if I would have done that. And, and what's interesting is I didn't intend to write a book that that did this initially i just started journaling and started writing you know very honestly about what my experience was and then you know as the early reviews have come out around this book i mean people are saying this is like the most you know authentic deep you're really sharing how you felt about things too and i mean i i didn't like you know, Howard Schultz very much when I heard like it was a directive from his office that he was going to be putting sandwiches in. It was, it didn't make, it wasn't helping my business. But yeah. then I realized that it really like, I always hated the saying, like, it's not personal. And I, I'm like, okay, like I may have to shut my company down. It's very, very personal right now. <laughs> yes. It's very personal. Yeah, it's very personal, yeah, but it's in every, but my investors, exactly. But it's his business. It's a chess game. Right. And, and I think that's what it boils down to. And, and I think it's even true for investments. I think a lot of the reason why, you know, women don't ultimately, you know, get, turn whatever Silicon Valley venture capitalists over to, um, be their investors is that a lot of these ideas, whether it's, you know, hint or I don't know, like pantyhose or some other idea that they just can't get their arms around. It's just that they just don't get it. Right. It doesn't mean that it's wrong. And you just have to figure out where else can you ultimately 
get the capital. And I think more and more, it's another reason why women need to be supporting women because there's some ideas that might be just a little crazy, right? But they actually be really good businesses. And I think that more and more women are doing that for each other. I know, which is so, which is so important. And I just want to quick touch on your podcast. How, I mean, because you do your podcast, which is, you know, which is kind of similar to our podcast. Tell us a little bit about your podcast. Yeah. So I started it about three years ago and, um, and it's called Unstoppable um, with Kara Golden. Although we're right in the middle of a switch, we're turning it. There's a few other Unstoppables. So we decided to do the Kara Golden show with Unstoppable guests, but it's still the same show. Yes. Yeah. And basically it was, um, you know, I just started interviewing people that I just thought had really great stories. And, you know, what I found along the way was that I would feel like they would have these amazing brands that they had built, kind of like a, you know, how did, how did they build it? Um, But then ultimately what I would find was that there's just these little stories where, you know, I would ask stories like, did you think you were ever going to go under? Did you, you know, did you ever doubt yourself along the way? And uh, as, you know, those were almost the more interesting nuggets, Um, you know, even interviewing people during COVID. I mean, we've, um, we do the podcast runs on Mondays and Wednesdays and people would have the craziest stories along the way where um, like Amy Arrett, who is the founder of Madison Reed, she talked about like prior to, Um, This time she used to talk about like, oh, I get all of my product made in Italy. And she's like, now, like, yes, I do something. (laughs) And I want it here in the US because it's more dependable to have it here. Feel like these conversations are just ones where people are, they, they want to know. They want to know more like about the hard stuff. It's more of a you know, like you and I are talking right now about sort of the challenges. It's not just about getting... It's not just about the wins, because I think to get to the wins, you need to know the hard stuff. Totally. People think there's overnight success, and it's clearly, it's not the case. It wasn't like, you know, you woke up the next day and Hint was everywhere. No. It's a long road, and people don't realize that. Yeah. And I think it it is a long road and it's not perfect, but I do believe that being an entrepreneur too, while it is, you know, you can make a lot more money and a lot of other um, professions, especially early on, I feel like it is um, something where you can kind of control your own destiny and you have to, you know, trust your gut a little bit along the way. And, and, you know, there's no rule book um, that says, okay, in order to get a product on the shelf, this is the thing you need to do. People have lots of differing opinions about it. And all I can do is really share my own story of how it happened. I know. So I just want to, we always ask people these three questions when we're um, on the podcast. And I feel like you've given such these advice. So we say, um, we're very entrepreneur real. And I feel like you've given such real advice. What's like your most real entrepreneur advice? Like, you know, not a business plan, but just like the nitty gritty, like the most, like if you one solid piece of advice. I would say that no one, no great entrepreneur that I know actually has, um, they don't have the roadmap, right? Everybody from, um, you know, myself to Sarah Blakely to Steve Jobs, right? Like they didn't have the roadmap. They had a lot of doubts. They had a lot of doubters, um, but they ultimately tried. 
right? And and like every day they would do a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more. And then suddenly they were like, whoa, I just like, I've actually done a lot. I mean, I never like sat there and said, okay, one day I'm going to be in 30,000 stores. Like, you know, I'm still like, is that a lot? Like, <laughs> I have no, I mean, I don't know. It seems like a lot to me, but I have, you know, I have no idea. And, um, and so I think like that is really the, the key thing that I've learned that what seems impossible initially is, um, a lot of other people thought it was impossible too. And if you have an idea, you just have to figure out a way to, um, you know, get it to market in a very reasonable way and start making progress and try. That's yeah, great. It so is. we always so. say Marge is 50% determination to 50% delusion. And that totally. was good to her success. So how do you feel like your percentages fall? Um, it depends on the day. Like I can't, you know, I always, somebody said to me, like, how do you stay balanced? And I'm like, I, you know, depends on the day. Some days I'm not balanced at all. <laughs> like, you know, with running a company and launching a book um, right now at the yeah, same time is, kind of of, is crazy. Right. And so I think it just depends, um, you know, how you view it, but clearly, you know, the people with the vision, like, you know, I think, that's that's not something that is uh, is sane, <laughs> right? Yeah. Most of the time. That's what I say. I think people yeah. misconstrue when I say delusion. They're like, "Oh no, I'm 100% determined." I'm like, "I think you're missing the point." Yeah, it's not like, a, a negative. It's not a negative. I think the delusion is a positive thing because that's if, so you, like you were saying when you first came on, if you don't believe in yourself, no one else is going to believe it. A hundred percent. It starts with you. And you have to, that's the number one thing that you need to focus on initially. So, and yeah, so it's, it's, I'd love it if you guys picked up a copy. And actually, if you go to undauntedthebook.com and you can, um, that is directly on our site and we have a promotion through the end of uh, Friday of this week. So uh, to, if you buy the book, you get a free case of Hint. As oh, well. that's, that's amazing. That's the best ever. I'm daunted with a free case of hint. Everybody better run to the website. Yes. Why not? Cool. Right. So yes. yeah. So super great. Well, thank you so much. So you guys. I, I mean, I'm going to be drinking nonstop. I'm going to stop because yes. I finally, I Kara, I finally just got a new kitchen. So it's going to be stuck with hint water. I have more than a handful of people who in a remodel of their kitchen, they put a special refrigerator for hint. So no, I have, oh, the I, I finally have refrigerator drawers. So I have like a beverage drawer and I love it. Well, thank you so much. Thank Appreciate you. it. All right. Bye-bye. Well, Kara was unbelievable. Unbelievable. And again, we're so tricked as consumers that things are healthy when they're not, when they're not. And it's scary. It is. And she just enlightened us so much. And I think she's just so inspirational mm -hmm. about what she had said. And she developed a product because there was a need in the market. And she, the way she got her investors and 60, you know, 60% of them are women, which I absolutely love. And the happen, uh, happenstance of John Legend becoming an investor. When I mean, geez, John Legend just called up. I, I would love John. Le John yes. Legend, feel free to call me. Yeah, call us. We're here. Yes. I just thought Anytime. that was... That was so great. And I'm so excited to read her book, Undaunted, because I'm gonna it's so inspirational, such great stories. And and it's gonna be amazing. Everybody has to go to the website because you're gonna get a free case of hint with it.
this week. Yes. So get that in before Friday so you can make the most of that special offer. Yes. And it's really about the journey. There's no overnight success. And I think once you guys read her book, you're really going to feel inspired to start your own company. Yes. And don't take the no's as no's. The no is a temporary until you find someone to give you a yes. Yes, because you have to believe in yourself and then everything else, it just, you know, falls into place eventually. With hard work. Hard work. Blood, sweat, and tears also. Okay, keep dreaming, caviar dreamers.